Welcome and thanks for listening to the sermon podcast from First Presbyterian Church of Honolulu. Whether we know it or not, everything we do affects the world around us in big and small ways. First Pres Young Adults Director Jeff Page explains the motive behind our desires to change the world. What is the power to change our world? What's the fuel that will best drive our lives? Let's start with your life. What motivates you to get out of bed in the morning? What do you tap into for strength to do the hard things? Some of us are driven by anxiety. Without anxiety and stress, nothing would ever get done. Others are driven by frustration and anger. We want things to be different, and we rely on our angst to make things happen. Both anger and fear propel action and focus our will. But that action and direction cause as many problems as they solve. So what will change the world? Are you ready for me to tell you? I don't think you are. What will change the world? Is it power, armies, military superiority? Is it tanks and troops, missiles and drones? Is that what's gonna change our world? People's tried that. What will change the world? Are you ready for me to tell you now? Not yet. Is it politics, the right people in office, the right judges in the courts? Is it innovation, breakthroughs in science and technology? Is that gonna change the world and really help? Those results are mixed. We've innovated ways to fill billions more people, but we've also figured out nuclear weaponry that could wipe life off the map in a matter of minutes. All that has been tried and the results have been good, but they pale in comparison to the real power to change the world. Are you ready for me to tell you? You're really not, because here's what's gonna happen. I'm gonna tell you, and especially you guys, you're gonna be like, meh. That's kind of like, that's like a wimpy answer. It's kind of like a milk toast answer. But you're wrong, it's a powerful answer. Well, what do, you, what do you think, are you ready? You're really not, but here goes. Love. See, I told you, most of you just did it in your head. You went, wah, wah, but you're wrong. Love is what can drive your life and change the world. And here's the thing, it's what Jesus did, and he's the most influential person who has ever lived, hands down. Christ's love and the love of his followers have remade your map, your calendar, and your world. Scholar and historian Yaroslav Pelikan writes, regardless of what anyone may personally think or believe about him, Jesus of Nazareth has been the dominant figure in the history of Western culture for almost 20 centuries. It's from his birth that most of the human race dates its calendar. It's in his name that millions curse, and it's in his name that millions pray. Out of love, Christ and his followers invented hospitals, orphanages, and started seven out of the eight Ivy League universities. And that's just to start with. All of these things are the fruit of love and are the result of the movement that Jesus Christ, whose main message is, love one another as I have loved you. This is true of our lives as well of all the different reasons we can find to get out of bed in the morning and persevere through our challenges, stress, and suffering, love is what brings lasting change for good. You see, anger, even anger at injustice, mainly has the power to destroy. Anger and anxiety can create a flurry of activity to help you get things done, but it could just as easily produce paralysis. In contrast, in 1 John 4, the Apostle John talks about an unfailing, powerful reality that makes the achievements of anger and anxiety laughable. Scripture tells us, and history shows, that love never fails. So let's listen to what John, one of Jesus' best friends, has to say about this. Beloved, let us love one another because love is from God. 
Everyone who loves is, from, is born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, for God is love. God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. And this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Beloved, since God loved us so much, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God lives in us and his love in us is perfected. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us his spirit. And we have seen and do testify that the father sent the son as the savior of the world. God abides in those who confess that Jesus is the son of God and they abide in God. So we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love and those who abide in love abide in God and God abides in them. Love has been perfected among us in this way that we may have boldness on the day of judgment because as he is, so we are in this world. There's no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear for fear has to do with punishment. And whoever fears has not reached perfection in love. We love because he first loved us. Those who say, I love God and hate their brother or sister are liars. For those who do not love a brother or sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. The commandment we have from him is this, those who love God must love their brothers and sisters also. Okay, so that passage tells us a lot about love, but what the heck are we talking about when we say love? I mean, really, we use that word in so many different situations, it's hard to see what we're talking about. We say things like, I love my wife, I love Netflix, I love chocolate cake. Those things are not the same. And I'm not the language police, but I think the reality of love is getting lost in the fray. The reality is love means to will the good of someone else. Just a few verses before our passage, John says, but if anyone has the world's good and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart to him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and truth. Love is not just a feeling or a sentiment, Love is a reality that results in wise actions that bring about someone else's good. So it's not really accurate to say, I love chocolate cake. You don't love it. You want to eat it. If you loved it, you would take care of it. You'd do whatever you could to preserve it. But when you say, I love chocolate cake, what you really mean is, I enjoy the way consuming cake makes me feel. Love is putting my will to work for the good of another. I desire chocolate cake is probably a better way of saying that. This confusion bleeds into our relationships. When some people say, I love you, what they're really saying is, I enjoy or crave the way you make me feel. I enjoy consuming your time, your attention, and your affection. That's not love, and that certainly won't change your life for the better. There's no world-creating power in one person wanting to consume another. Out of our anxiety and fear, we become clingy or jealous. Much of what's considered love, especially in the romantic sense in our world, is more like two dying stars that are collapsing in on one another to become an enormous black hole. Love is something much more profound and powerful. You and I were made to be fueled by something so much greater. Love means I am for you. In his book, Splendor in the Ordinary, Tom Howard writes that there are basically two ways to live. 
You can live on the basic principle of my life for you or on my life for me. There are a hundred opportunities every day to either operate on the basis of my life for you, your needs above mine, or my life for me, my needs above yours. Howard says, no child has ever received life without the laying down of his mother's life for months bearing and nourishing him. The only reason you're here is because your parents for about 18 years basically kissed their lives goodbye. They kissed their convenience, their free time, and certainly their money goodbye. According to Howard, this laying down of a life always entails a death. It's death to my 10 minutes when I give them over to help you get things done. It's death to your privilege when you let someone else in urgent need cut in line in front of you. The my life for yours principle is the only one on which any life at all is possible. In the midst of COVID and the most hostile political climate of my lifetime, most of us are experiencing a stunning lack of love. Fear and anger pervade our families and friendships. It feels like the resources are scarce. So many of us have defaulted to my life for me. We keep what we have for ourselves. When it comes to love, the question is not what, but who. Love's not merely a force or a settled disposition to help someone else. Love is a person, three persons to be precise. In verse 16 of our passage, John writes, God is love and those who abide in love abide in God, and God abides in them. God is love, and Psalm 145 tells us that God made and sustains the world in love. So love is the power that moves the world, and love can be the engine that drives your life. In 2 Corinthians 5, Paul tells us that love from and for Christ compels us. Anger has the power to tear down. Fear has the power to drive you, but love has the power to create. God is love and he loves all that he has made. Let's consider this from a different angle, atoms. Did you know that by breaking the bonds which hold together just one kilogram, about two pounds of plutonium, you can produce enough energy to power 769 US homes for a year? That's just the energy released when one small piece of matter is split. Think about this, how much energy was required to create it? And how much to create all the matter in the universe? We don't know, but we do know that the God who is love, who created it all, is limitless in energy. You and I were built to run on nothing less than his powerful love. It's no wonder that without it, we're never satisfied doesn't matter how much you accomplish, how many possessions you have or assets in your financial portfolio. It doesn't matter how much affirmation you receive from people or how much power and significance and influence you have in the world. It's never enough. But David tells us in Psalm 23 that if the Lord is your shepherd, your life lacks no good thing. You and I were made to be filled with and fueled by the powerful love of God. Nothing but the very essence of God flowing into and filling our lives will ever fuel or satisfy us. A lack of love is precisely what's wrong with our world. Let's consider this example. There's a common misperception that we have a global food shortage. Many people think that hunger is a result of scarcity. Did you know that according to the United Nations, one third of the global food production is wasted every year? That's four times what it would take to relieve undernutrition worldwide. If we reduce food waste by just 25% and got that food to those who needed it, we would eliminate world hunger. 
Starving people would be a thing of the past. And the problem of lovelessness goes deeper than that, though. Even if we were able to make that wasted food available, corruption keeps the necessities from people who need them most. Corrupt government officials require bribes to let food and humanitarian aid through to those who are dying for it. Here's the thing. God provides for everyone's needs, but nothing will satisfy anyone's greed. God has actually provided plenty on our planet to care for the needs of every man, woman, and child. In fact, there's enough food in production right now for two billion more people. But that's not nearly enough for the greed of even one person. In a 2016 Associated Press article about Venezuelan military's corruption, journalists Hannah Dreyer and Joshua Goodman uncovered just one of the many corruptions that are starving our world. They interviewed Luis Peña, operations director for the Caracas-based import business Premier Foods. Peña said that at a time when 90% of Venezuelans couldn't even afford enough food to eat, he was forced to pay off a long roster of military officials for every shipment of food. This corruption raised the price beyond what Venezuelans could afford and caused desperately needed food to rot on the docks just miles from starving people. Venezuela's state comptroller reported that thousands of tons of state imported beans had been allowed to spoil. Bribes were also demanded on the roads between the docks and starving neighbors. What's the real problem? The real problem is not enough love in the people on the docks or those on the roads demanding bribes. But before we get too judgy, let's remember, corruption's not unique to Venezuela. It exists anywhere there's a lack of love. See, the problem isn't that there's not enough food, it's that there's not enough love. So where's the lack of love in your life? Where's the wasted food? Where do you have more than enough and others too little? What's being wasted on the dock of your soul that others are starving for? And why are you stockpiling it? Love himself is enough to satisfy us and free up the resources that our neighbors are dying for. Simple resources, like an encouraging word, are 10 minutes of your time and attention. You see, only God's love can save us. John tells us, God's love was revealed among us in this way, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. And this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. We were made for a vital connection with God, but our lovelessness means that that connection now comes at a tremendous price, and someone always pays the price. Here's an example. My most prized possession is my wedding album. It stunningly tells the story of the day that Marissa and I committed to love one another for the rest of our lives. I would run back into a burning building for this book. And if you borrowed it and by accident dropped it into the Pacific, it would be a devastating loss for me. And as with all losses, someone would need to pay the cost. Now, if you didn't pay the cost of replacing it, I myself would have to pay for it one way or another. I would either incur the financial costs of replacing the album, or I would forgive you and thereby pay the emotional costs of living my life without the photos of my beautiful bride, our family, and our wedding day. The cost would be my fading memories. When something precious is lost or damaged, someone pays the cost. On the cross, Christ paid that price for you and for me. 
In our lovelessness, each of us have trashed something infinitely more valuable to God than my wedding album is to me. That cost was far beyond our means, so Christ, the God who is love, has absorbed it for us. Christ sacrificed his life for yours. This was the ultimate act of my life for yours. That industrial strength love frees us up to love. It gives us the courage to live from that same sacrificial power of my life for yours. The death of Christ for us empowers me to accept little deaths for you and you for me. We can freely sacrifice our time, our attention, and resources for one another. Why? Because we've received so much from Christ's sacrifice for us. Starting in verse 18, John says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment. And whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. Let's focus on this verse about fear and love. It's true. Physiological anxiety is real, and anxiety medication is just as much a gift of God as blood pressure medications. And God's love, demonstrated by Christ's death, can fill our lives with a powerful love that casts out fear. When we open our lives to Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes to saturate our lives with fulfillment, power, and courage. Now, if this power were fully alive and active in us, we would be invincible. There'd be nothing to fear. As love fills our life, it leaves no room for fear. I don't know about you, but fear has still found plenty of room in my life. What's up with that? Why are we not experiencing this? It's because we need to complete the circuit. John tells us that if we love one another, God's love is perfected in us. And perfect love casts out fear. The word that John uses for perfect is teleos. Teleos doesn't mean perfect in the sense of flawless. Rather, it means completed. The unending, unstoppable, fearless life is a result of completed love. How's the love of God completed in you and me? See, God loves us personally and, then, and through each other, and then we love him back primarily by loving other people. This circuit of love creates a powerful experience of security and abundance for our families, our friendships, and communities that then gets released to our neighbors, to strangers, and to people in need a world away. It's kind of like how electricity works. You need to complete a circuit. When I was a kid, my grandparents moved to Mifflintown, Pennsylvania, and we would visit every summer. It was a paradise for 11-year-old me. There were farms, turtles, crayfish, and lightning bugs. There was also this super annoying kid that lived in the neighborhood named Chad. I love you, Chad but you were kind of a punk. Well, one day, Chad and I were walking past some fenced-in cows, and all of a sudden, Chad grabs my hand, drags me over, and grabs the electric fence. Whammo! Jeff, meet electricity. Chad's physics were spot on. He completed a circuit. He connected a source, the electrified fence, to a ground, me. And the power flowed through him into me. What's the connection between Teleos and my first major electric shock? It's this. If we're not experiencing the power of God fully alive in us, we need to ask ourselves if we're connected to both the source, God who loves us, and the ground, the people that we're loving. This dynamic is what John is describing when he, when he talks about love that's completed. The very power and reality of God who is love flows through us. 
as we make this connection and the current of his love to and through us fuels our lives and drives out fear. This is what John describes when he writes in verse 20, we love because he first loved us. So first, God loves us. We are vitally connected to God, receiving his costly love for us personally and through other people. Then we love other people. We're at work for the good of God and other people. Without either of those connections, the power of God isn't flowing through our lives. The full power of love and electricity is, experiencing, is experienced when it's moving through you. The full power of love and electricity is experienced when it's moving through you. Christ's sacrifice for you is love's electric fence. It's what connects you to the power that moves the world. Christ in his death for you reaches out to you. And that connection fills your life with his powerful love. Have you grabbed hold of him and given him full access to your life? Are you regularly connecting with him personally? Are you making time to receive the love of God personally? If we love one another, God's love is completed in us. God loves us through one another. This has been an extremely challenging year. It's safe to say that as a result of the pandemic, many of us are operating out of a deficit of love. Two out of the five love languages, physical touch and quality time, were off the table for over a year. It was basically against the law to hug or be in the presence of one another. Receiving love from God personally is not enough. We need his love through other people. If God wants you to have a hug, he's probably gonna do it through someone who cares about you. Are you making time to receive God's love through people? People who want the best for you. This is why the church is essential. We cannot fully experience God's love without one another. If you're just focused on experiencing God's love for you, there's no power. If you're just focused on loving other people, there's no power. The electricity of God's love flows through you as you receive love from him and then turn it loose on your family, friends, and the world. God's love flows through you and through your close relationships and those of your deepest relationships begin to thrive. And that, that power of God's love cycles up in you and your close relationships and it can't be contained. And your fear and frustration are quenched. And then you can turn that growing love on those who can't or won't love you back. Are you turning the power of God's love loose on your friends, family, neighbors, and the world? I'd really like to say that I've got this down, but I don't. Previously, I mentioned that I have ADHD, so attention is my most precious resource. It takes me a long time and a lot of energy to bring my focus to a task. So when I'm working, I will avoid interruptions at all costs. Well, both Marissa and I do much of our work from home right now. And sometimes Marissa has the nerve to distract me. I've literally grunted at Marissa for coming into my office, AKA her bedroom, to give me a kiss. How are you doing? She lovingly asks. Mm. Mature, I know. I have a hard time mustering up love for the most lovable person in my life. She's not making big asks. Two minutes of my time and attention, a brief prayer for a stressful situation. But my life for me, my focus is for my tasks, Marissa. See you at the end of the workday, whenever that is. My lack of love means more stress for both of us. What does lovelessness look like in your life? If we're not experiencing a life with less and less room for fear, let's complete the circuit by performing small acts of love. 
as love flows into you from God and from you into other people, you're filled with and fueled by the only power that can change the world for good. When that happens, it's not just power that our life is filled with, it's God himself. God just doesn't have love, he is love. So when you love authentically, even in the simplest way, whether you know it or not, you are in fact in the presence of God. You're being filled with the Holy Spirit. A simple act of genuine love opens a very important door to a relationship with God. If you're not sure about Jesus, why not run a few experiments? Invite him to move through your acts of love and see what happens. Why not make love a habit? Simply set it as a goal that you will do at least three simple acts of love every week, at least one of which is someone who's not in your family or your faith community. It could be as simple as asking someone, how are you doing really? And then actually listening. Months ago, Pastor Steve pointed out this brilliant quote from Christian professor David Augsburger. Being heard is so close to being loved that for the average person, they are almost indistinguishable. You know, Steve told me recently that I know men who would stand in front of a train for their wife and kids, but would not sit for five minutes to listen to them. Too close, Steve. That's tragic. Our love isn't connecting, and simple actions would be game changers for our families and friend groups. Another simple question is, hey, tell me what you really think about something. Most people never actually have the opportunity to express their thoughts. No one ever asks them what they think about almost anything. Love can be simply buying someone a coffee or helping someone with a simple task. It could be a simple encouragement. Mark Twain once said, I can live for two months on a good compliment. Why not make love a habit? Let's commit to three simple acts of love a week and then journal about them. Today, right in front of you, the God who is love is poised and ready to unleash his powerful love on someone. Your five bucks, 10 minutes, or dozen affirming words could be the focal point that brings the power that made the world, the principle of heaven to earth in someone's life right where they need it most. Do you really have something better to do with your 10 minutes? Do we have something better to do with our lives? Would you please pray with me? Lord, we love because you first loved us. You set your will on our good and even hell couldn't stop you. Christ, you would rather die than live without us. Right now, Lord, we open our lives to receive your powerful love. Forgive us for our lovelessness. We commit our lives to learning to love like you. Help us, Lord, to experience your limitless love personally. Establish in us a bomb-proof identity as your beloved sons and daughters. Holy Spirit, help us to experience your love through one another and let loose love, the force that moves the world in and through our lives. Lord, we're counting on you to match and empower our loving actions towards others. In the great name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. If this was the first time you received God's love and committed your life to following Jesus, we would love to celebrate and pray with you. So please click the I commit my life button and then request prayer by clicking the prayer button. And now I have a blessing for you all. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you and his countenance be upon you. And may you know deep in your heart the wonderful love of God the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. In Christ's name. 
Amen. Aloha. See you next week. Ahui ho. We've been challenged. Love is at the root of everything. But we need to connect with God and also complete the circuit and share that love with others. If you'd like to hear this sermon again, you can listen to and download this and other sermons from the First Pres website, fpchawaii.org. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. In-person worship has resumed, but in limited capacity. And if you'd like to participate, you'll need to sign up through the website on a weekly basis. In the meantime, we continue to stream the entire service online on the church websites, Sunday morning at 8, 9.30 and 11.11 and Sunday afternoon at 4 p.m. The websites are fpchawaii.org and thevinehawaii.org. Be sure to check your email for links to sermons, church news and updates, daily devotionals, and registration for our in-person worship. If you have any questions or needs, you can reach the church through the websites or call 808-532-1111. For Pastor Dan Chun and the entire staff at First Prez, I'm Michael Shishido. Until next time, God bless you, stay safe, and thank you for listening. This sermon podcast is copyright 2021 and produced by the media ministry of First Presbyterian Church of Honolulu.